Hey, everybody. Welcome to Investing in Cannabis once again. It feels so good to say that. I'm your host, Brandon David. We're back from what was a pretty good-sized break, and I'm feeling lucky to be here. I'm feeling excited to be here. We have so many new, exciting things planned for you guys. Uh, It's going to be a great year. It was honestly, like a lot of people, really, really tough year for me. Um, Financially, I was good, but um, yeah, emotionally, I took a a pretty bad turn there. And uh, I'm just so thankful and thankful for the people that helped me get back to where I am. There's so many exciting things happening in the cannabis industry. It's a new wave. It's a new chapter. I'm feeling blessed. I'm feeling alive. And uh, it's time to get back to this cannabis work uh, that we've been doing. Some really exciting stuff in New York and New Jersey and some consolidation in software. Uh, I've been working on marketing stuff and real estate and a whole bunch of other new stuff you guys are going to hear about in the show. And um, thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. I could not be more excited to do this again. And uh, love you all. Thank you for the support and the messages and for hanging in there. We're going strong. Going strong. Get acquainted. Get reacquainted. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. We got a fresh episode. It's been a bit, but welcome. I hope you're done with my emo preface over there. Uh, today, we have Jocelyn of Headset, which is one of the players in cannabis software. They're a data company, but also so much more. We get into a lot of great topics. This is a news roundtable uh, style episode because so much has happened in the industry since we last spoke. Uh, we talk about New York and New Jersey. We talk about the ongoing black market problem. We talk about data and new markets. Uh, It's fascinating stuff. Jocelyn is super informative. You will really enjoy her. I had a great time. Uh, You're going to love it. I loved it. You're going to love it. Tune in. Listen up. Get acquainted. Jocelyn, so nice to see you again. Thank you for joining us. Jossie Bossy of LinkedIn and Instagram fame. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Brandon. It's good to see you twice in one week. I know. I feel so lucky. We got to have dinner the other night and catch up a little bit. It was so fun. Where are you? It looks so yeah. beautiful there. I know. So I'm at my folks' place um, in Orange County and just uh, have been down in SoCal over the last week, just doing some business. And so happy to be home with my folks. Good stuff. Looks nice. Looks nice out there. It is. They've got a beautiful backyard. Most people in the world are dealing with like snow and cold, but not <laughs> us. Not us. No. We won't rub Not us in. Orange County kids. Um, so as we've done in the past, we've done these news roundtables before we pick a couple subjects that are happening in the industry and we just talk about them and you just have a great breadth of knowledge and opinion. And that's what we do on the show. We give our opinion as opposed to the other normal interview where it's more like background and sort of what's going on with your company. Um, but before we get into the editorial stuff, give us a little update on headset. How's it going? Headset hasn't been on the show since, oh my God, so long ago. I sat on the dock in Seattle with Cy and the boys. That feels like forever ago. You can go check out that episode. But give us a little upset, upset, a little update. You've done so much. Nielsen has invested since then. You really have crushed this industry. You have joined the company, which has been a huge value. Give us a little update as where Headset is now. 
And well, first, and let me say, I saw that actually I watched that episode. This was one of the first episodes that I watched upon joining the industry because I'm just a sponge for information and trying to learn as much as I can. And so I just have to say, I loved that episode because you're so lively and doing these presentations and actually I've learned a lot from you. Um, But so we've been up to, yeah, um, we've been up to a lot over the last, gosh, I guess, I don't know how long ago that was that you interviewed Cy, probably about two and a half years ago. Maybe. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the company has been up to a lot. Um, obviously, as the industry has been evolving, so have we. So, you know, Headset is a data and analytics software company. And so with that, you constantly have to be evolving your software to keep up with these changing either the trends or just how these different retailers or brands are needing to use data. So what we've done, I'm going to speak to like the last year, because I think that's going to be um, most relevant, especially through the pandemic, because there's been a lot of changes that we've had to do. All of the cannabis businesses have to adapt to. So for us, one of the biggest changes that we've had or things that we've been working on internally is really building out our retail software and evolving the industry in that regard. So go back like three years ago when we first started this retail software, it's still the same concept in that it's plugging into all these point of sale systems and analyzing all that point of sale data for the dispensary to use it essentially for inventory management. Well, now as we've evolved as an industry, that means that these retailers need to be thinking about things other than just how their inventory is doing, par levels, making sure they're in stock. Now there's really been this evolution of understanding the customer, right? So over the last year in the industry, we've seen a lot more companies come into the market or building out solutions that are helping the dispenser understand who's your customer, what products do they like to purchase, what does their basket look like, where are they finding you from? So we've seen these companies like Springbig and Sprout, these CRM loyalty solutions, right? So what we're doing over the last you know, year, we've built out those retail capabilities. And so we're now pulling in all of that you know, customer data and giving the dispensary much better um, you know, insights, visualizations to really understand their customer better. And this has been really important as we're seeing more retail licenses get offered in the market, which means there's more competition. So now the dispensaries are really thinking about, okay, how do I retain this customer? How am I going to acquire new customers? So we're really giving them the insights into understanding who their customer is, what they like to purchase, where they're finding them from, et cetera. So that has been a really cool thing to see evolve. And then aside from that, on the retail side of the business, because our industry has been maturing and we're seeing more you know, technology companies come into market that are doing different pieces of the supply chain uh, with the technology supply chain, what we've noticed is that there's really this need for, because there's all these disparate data solutions, being able to pull in all of those different data points and then being able to use a data lake like a Snowflake or a Power BI to be able to pull all that data in and make more sense of it. So you're not looking at five different platforms and trying to understand all that data. So this is really helping the retailer, you know, understand um, or just having a infrastructure, I should say, as opposed to having built out some proprietary solution that's going to cost them half a million dollars to build out, hiring multiple analysts. We're really becoming this analyst in a box from this easy to use, ready to go um, technology solution. So that's just on the retail side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many players now. POSs and data companies. I mean, there's a new one I hear of every day. Um, I guess like, how do you stay relevant? How do you stay the best? You guys have a great technology background, but these things evolve very quickly. As you said, 
do companies want to integrate with you? Do they want to play ball? Are they trying to squeeze you out? What's the what's the vibe like in Weed Software? Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, we have really great relationships with our partners because I think so this would include point of sale partners. We're doing integrations with like the spring bags. So the CRM loyalty solutions, I would say majority of the, the, the market wants to partner with headset because there are a couple of reasons. One, you know, Cyber and Scott, our founders, started the company six plus years ago. So to build an analytics solution and have the team members, like we have our team members, our executive team members and, and leadership team members are from traditional retail. You know, they're from CPG companies. So they're taking this mindset of where, you know, products they would have wanted to have, data solutions they would have wanted to have. So we have two things. So one, we have the talent that's understanding kind of where the industry is going to be evolving to. But two, we've been doing this for six years. So as we see new data companies come in or any technology company, you know, we have a six-year kind of advancement on them. But it's, And then having our team members who have a well understanding of what this is going to look like, it just gives us this really great competitive advantage. But aside from that, the market, you know, it's just, it's valuable. And so they see what we're doing. I think in general, there's a really great perception of headset just because of how there's not many companies that are competing on the data side, right? We do have some now as the industry is evolving, um, more of the point of sale companies are getting into reporting on market data. We're seeing it from some of the CRM companies. We're seeing data. It's a very broad word. But because headset is directly tied into the point of sale systems and pulling everything in real time, it's just a different competitive advantage than anyone else in the market. Even some of our direct competitors aren't technically hooked up with the point of sales in the way that we are. And so this has just been a major value to the industry as a whole because we're constantly sharing what we're learning on the market data side. So we have this perception and in market where people are just so... I get, I get hit up every day where people are like, thank you guys so much for everything that you're sharing. We're learning so much. You're truly helping our business change. We're moving as you guys are reporting on these things in real time. So much of this stuff we're providing for free. And so it's just the community has just responded to that. So I guess just to summarize your question, I mean, it's really a combination of like companies and people want to work with us because I think we're doing good in the market. We're giving back. And then they know that the technology, you know, in years that we have, uh, you know, advantage there. And then just our, you know, our, our team, it's, we're really a team of very smart people from you really are. different industries. Um, if I had lived in Seattle, I probably would have joined you guys at some point. That's, that's just honestly the truth when I could be hired, I can't be hired these days anymore, but that's a whole different story. Um, so the narrative of 2020 and the pandemic year is that it was so good for cannabis. Um, and uh, you know, it's 20% here and two X here and all this stuff. I know you're not a data scientist. Um, but what, what does the headset report say? Is that true? Is there any nuance to that? So at the start of the pandemic, so this time last year, um, you know, we were seeing sales spikes equivalent of what we would see on 420. So there was obviously just like in any other CPG with toilet paper, with various goods, there was, of course, going to be this spike, right, as people were need, wanting to make sure that they had these products available to them. So we did see this me at included. the start. Me included. Yeah, I'm, me as well. 
Um, and so this question is funny because um, I actually, okay, so we're seeing sales grow every month, right? Like, the, and I'm going to speak to the California market right now. So in California, I'm watching the data, we're seeing the sales grow every month, we hear a lot about this in the media. But it's a really different story when you start talking to the operators that are running these businesses, especially if they're on, I'll say the mid to smaller size companies. And so when I'm answering this question, like, how is the market doing when we're seeing the sales continue to grow, we have, that doesn't necessarily mean that the businesses who are making these products or selling these products are growing at the same rates as the market. And so this has been something that as I'm taught, you know, my guy runs a, you know, concentrate company and that's a whole, and it's a whole different story for him when he's seeing, you know, sales grow in California and it's a different, you know, it's a challenging business for a smaller kind of legacy brand in the market. And then I'm seeing some of these very well capitalized, you know, multi-state operators, they have a very different, that's a different game for them, right? I think that well capitalized companies are having a much easier time right now. And so I'm a lot of the calls that I'm on, I'm on these Zoom calls all day long talking to the market. And I'll tell people this often because the retailers and the brands are coming to me saying, hey, we're seeing the data and we're seeing that the market is growing, but I'm not feeling it in my business. So I will say nine out of 10 of the calls that I'm on, and I've gone through this to like really be like, is this accurate? Nine out of 10 calls that I'm on, people are like, we're really struggling. I don't know how much longer we're going to make it. We're trying to hold on. We're hoping that something changes with banking. We're hoping that more licenses are offered, that something has to change because we can't keep going at this current rate. Margins are very, you know, very, very tight in this industry. And so it's just a really hard industry to be in. So um, hard industry. And and look, I, I get the same calls. I have the same conversations as you do, but business is hard. I don't know. I mean, if it weren't these regulations, we'd be in some other industry and they'd have other problems. You know, I mean, you came from ad tech. There's issues in ad tech. It's not the same, but business is hard. I don't know. I guess I'm just like, I'm done with the sob story, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, no, I mean, it. Yes, business is absolutely hard, but it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's just Um, there's a lot of different dynamics that you're going up against. And a lot of people get into this industry not realizing all of these nuances. And so that's why it's like a lot of these founders that I'm talking to, a lot of them have come in with that. It seems to be this modern, you know, gold rush and the green rush or whatever. And there's oftentimes not a true understanding of what you're getting into. And so it that's, seems simple, you know. right? Everybody loves weed. It sells itself. So let's just do that. I know how to design logos. Well, let's do it. And then, you know, yeah. they don't realize the economics of it. And I mean, you know, as you know, there's a hundred layers to this industry and to this business, but that's what keeps it fun to me. Anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps it fun. Yeah. So, I'm with you. so would you agree that overall, at least U.S. cannabis, the pandemic was very good, good, or okay. Like, was it really as good as everybody wants it to be? I mean, my personal opinion, yes, absolutely. Because just being declared an essential business changed our entire industry, right? This it, one, it gave this like array of hope, you know, and it, it was a signal that this is a serious business being declared essential. And so that made it a lot easier. Like that was necessary for these companies to survive. I I am assuming a lot of companies would have gone out of business if this didn't happen. Mm -hmm. A lot of companies. Mm -hmm. And so 
for me, absolutely. I think this is very, I have a much more positive lens. That's easier for me to have. And I'm still going to have this positive lens, even though I'm on, like I said, nine out of 10 calls where people are asking me, is this normal what we're going through? Are other people going through the same thing? But yeah, I think it was still a very positive thing for the industry overall. Those are growing pains of any new market is going to be, you know, people. The other thing I'll say is that the companies that were probably struggling prior to the pandemic, it just became more apparent and it sped up that process of whether they were going to make it or not. The ones that were solid, those ones are still solid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So overall positive. This is, I think everything it's like, look at just the last week I was reading new cannabis um, ventures yesterday. It's like the amount of acquisitions and the amount of mergers that are going on right now, it is incredible. And the amount of money that's coming back in to be invested, like right now is a really positive time. The end of 2020, that was definitely the hardest time period of cannabis that I've been in, in my three years. Mm -hmm. It was harder earlier, I think than that, but yeah. Um, Look, they're all different challenges. That's the key. And you have to be able to uh, evolve in this business. Um, you can't talk about data, particularly in California, without talking about the black market. And it's something that a lot of legal cannabis folks like to ignore. Um, but the truth is, and maybe you know numbers better than I do, I've heard upwards of 60% of California mm -hmm. cannabis goes out of the state of California what do we do about that? How do we rectify that? Do we need to start shaming people? Do we have to start doing raids again? Like what is required? <laughs> well, it's so complex. I've also heard, you know, that number two thirds is, is what I've heard. Um, you know, it's hard because I have so much respect for the legacy operator, right? Like these people really paved the way for our business to be here today. So there's a great amount of respect that I have. And I've also had this perception of like, well, just have more enforcement, go shut down these businesses, find them more and all of these things. But I think it's also really hard because I know a lot of people from, because I've been interested in the cannabis industry and have many friends have been working in it for over the last 15 years. And so a lot of them are like, I want to have a license. I want to go and be in the legal market. The barriers to entry, I don't have the capital. I can't get a license. I don't have necessarily the business acumen to be able to go do this. It's almost impossible for me to get in at this point. So I really have no choice. So you know, I just, I say that because I really respect the process that they, that one has to go through just to be in this industry. But with that said, you know, there's also a great challenges with these, you know, businesses and people offer, offering medicine to people that are in situations where they're literally using this as medicine. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that it's safe and it's regulated. And so to be able to address the illicit market, you know, when I'm talking to policymakers, when I'm talking to associations, and I ask this question as well, um, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna come down to reducing uh, the tax rates, right, to buy an eighth of cannabis, and so we need to be able to bring down the cost so that it's easier for anyone to purchase cannabis. Um, one of the things that might alleviate some of the demand for illegal California cannabis is in the last month, both New Jersey and New York have gone recreationally legal. And even though it'll take probably a couple of years before any cannabis is sold in either one of those states legally, it is a really, really big move. When you look at sort of the Northeast coming online, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for cannabis? What does that mean for headset? 
Oh my gosh. Well, yes, it means so much for the entire industry. I mean, it, well, one, just broadly speaking, it just reiterates that this is a big business having the East coast where this is known for big finance and all these big business, right? It just reiterates that that's what this is. And so for us, that that's exactly what that means, right? It's just more of this um, assurance that we're moving in the right direction and so quickly. And so for us, I mean, from a, from a technology standpoint or what we need to build out from a product standpoint, it doesn't necessarily change anything, but it certainly changes in terms of how we think about market expansion, how we think about retail adoption. So that means things like hiring more people on the East Coast. We have people out there, but each market is so different. So I'm in California and I manage, you know, our I manage all of our West Coast operations. Each of these markets that I've launched, Oregon, Arizona recently, they all operate so different. And it really requires boots on the ground, someone who understands the market, someone who understands the policies and how it works, someone who understands licensing. So this is very resource heavy because you've got to have those bodies actually in that market to get the full understanding of it. So what that will mean for us is, is simply that it's putting more resources in these markets and having people that become experts in, in knowing how that, that community kind of works. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's going to be fascinating how it evolves. And for people that like this show, I'm going to be spending some time in New York. We'll get some of those stories out there too, which is very, very cool. Um, when you say that different markets evolve differently. That's certainly been the case. How much do you think that is political? Like what I've noticed is in the conservative states and the red states, rollout is much different than in the blue states. Um, do you agree with that? Do you see that? I do see that. Um, I, I haven't looked at it in that frame of a red state versus a blue state. But now that you say that, I will say Arizona. Arizona is a market that I've been working in for the last year. And that was wild to see how quickly that transition happened. It's a great example that other states and other policymakers should really be looking at. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. I mean, seemingly these more conservative states, Oklahoma is a good example. They're doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really important for California, you know, Washington and Colorado is probably too far gone, but, um, you know, these other states that are coming online, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. But unfortunately, I think it's too political. I don't think anybody's really paying attention, to be honest. Um, but yeah, super exciting things. I just feel so lucky. I think it is political. Yeah, it is political, of course. Um, I just feel so lucky to live in a time where all these things are happening. Um, it was not that long ago that I was buying brownies out of Ziploc bags in Oakland. It wasn't that long, ago, really. Yeah. Um, and to see Wall Street embrace this, um, I don't I, I didn't expect to see it, really. I, I, I don't think I foresaw it. Um, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, Let's talk a little yeah. bit more about software. I'd share that sentiment just in my yeah. three years. I mean, yes, not through the three years, but think back to when you were a kid. I mean, you grew up in California. Like, even California, uh -huh. that's very liberal and has a real culture around cannabis, it still was like, you didn't want to get caught with weed. It was a thing, you know? Um, and to see that change so drastically, so quickly, pretty remarkable, really. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, so let's go back to software for a second. Dutchie has been making some real moves. They've been on the show before too, and they've quickly become a real leader 
in cannabis and in software. What do you make of those acquisitions and any other acquisitions that are sort of top of mind for you or you think is relevant? This was a big deal for the industry, especially anyone that is on the technology side in this industry, because, again, this is a signal of how quickly things are maturing. So with so anyone who is in um, who's building any disparate software solutions. So now what Dutchie is doing is they're they're working all sides of the supply chain. They're becoming an all in one shop, all in one stop shop for a retailer or for a, a vertically integrated company. So now, as I was mentioning earlier, what was happening about of all these different technology solutions coming in and servicing different parts of the technology supply chain, a point of sale, an ERP, a CRM solution, a live menu to collect all the data that you need to be able to run your operations compliant in a compliant manner. So by all three of those companies merging, that really more pressure on any of these independent solutions, because now the question becomes, well, why do I need three different solutions, which adds more time, more resources for me internally to then make sense of all that when I could go to a one-stop shop and really get everything I need just from this one, with this one partner, this one company. Mm -hmm. So it definitely has put pressure on any technology company to start looking at, okay, well, how can we happening, right? I saw this when I was working in ad tech, the same thing happened. And so now this is just expedited this process, I think, for everyone This happening in really starting to look more closely at either raising more capital to be able to diversify whatever it is that you're building out and add additional features. But basically, it comes down to how are you going to compete now with an all-in-one solution versus an independent solution and really figuring out how you then differentiate and market? This is going to require more resources for any company internally to be able to figure that out. So I, all of the, the tech companies that I'm talking to are asking themselves this question. Yeah, it's a fascinating uh, case study. Like if we were sitting in business school in terms of like the open end versus the closed end system, I mean, this is like an Apple Android question, right? That's what we're talking about here. Like, do you want to play nice with others? Is that make it more efficient? Or do you want to have, you know, do you want to shop on six different apps on your iPhone or you want to buy everything from Amazon, right? That's that's the question yeah. here. And that's a classic technology question. Make a prediction. Is that the future or is everybody going to be using... Mm -hmm you know, Dutchie or Trees or Meadow and that's it? Or are there going to be a suite of providers that, you know, big cannabis companies use? Um, you know, I think it's a lot of that is going to depend on what licensing looks like and what the landscape looks like when it comes to retailers. Meaning if we move to, because every state or every province operates a little bit different in terms of their licensing, some states, let's say California, for example, we have a wide diversity of different types of retailers here. We don't have, we're not a heavy MSO state. I think yesterday there was just news all. about um, Glasshouse Group, 567 million that just got invested into their company. This now makes them one of the largest, I think the largest MSO that we have in California. How and big I think is they're, Oliva, do you know? Um, I don't everything well, now they're pretty big, but yeah, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head from financials, yeah. but I think they're just what the two stores they Believe have the, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. They don't have a big retail footprint, but I think if you add Left Coast and all their assets and everything, I don't know. Yeah. I just I did some research on it. Anyway, that's the only public exposure there is to cannabis in Stockton, yeah. California, which is rad. That's why I bought it. Plus Jay Z. But anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so to to answer this and so to like really kind of think about where we're going to be headed. Um, so with so Glasshouse Group, right? So there are 22 stores in California. I think is what their expansion plan is going to be by end of 2022. So California, I'm using this as an example because we're a state of a lot of independent retailers. There's not many shops that are owning more than five licenses at this point. So for them, it might not make as much sense to maybe independent solutions might make more sense in this landscape. Now let's go on the East Coast where we see these are heavily MSO run states or even Arizona. Arizona, I believe half of that market is run by five different, you know, MSO Three, I think. So for them, it's a different kind of, so yeah, so for them, it's a very different thought process because they're in a, a game of scale. So what they're wanting to think about is one solution that we can impl- implement across all of the markets that we're working in. It's going to make it so much easier for us. They're going to have, it's more of a scaled business. But again, if you're an independent retailer and we'll use Oregon as another example, because it has the same kind of dynamic to it, where there's a lot of these independent retailers, that maybe they want, they maybe they don't want as scaled of a, a technology solution. And they really just need the one thing because it's easier for them to manage the one, one, you know, technology. So it's really just going to depend on how, what the licensing kind of nuances are in that market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, fascinating that because we don't have a federal system of any kind, it's become so splintered and complicated. This is another thing that I didn't expect to happen. I thought there would be a handful of the big states that went legal, and then it would go federally legal. I didn't really expect this to be long. and Like, I certainly never expected New York to go legal before federal. Just never. That was never part of my my thought process. Yeah. Um, Fascinating. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I love to hear about sort of the person behind the work. I know from personal experience that you are a cannabis consumer, um, but tell me what you're into. You know, what what do you like to smoke? Flowers, concentrates, bowls, bongs, joints, whatever. What are, what are you into? <laughs> I'm a flower girl, um, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, a purist at heart. I like to be a part of the process. So um, I want to grind it. I want to roll it myself. So any form in which I can do that. So a pipe, a bong, a joint, anything with flour, that's my go-to. It really comes down to situational and kind of what I have available to me. Um, but in terms of how I consume, um, you know, I consume daily and it's more so when, when I first got into cannabis, this was 15 years ago. And I, I kind of talk about, I share this story a lot because I think it's important that we're open and honest about how we use it because everyone uses it in a different way. So for me, I've always been a recreational cannabis consumer. I don't use it for any medicinal reason. I will say when I first started cannabis 10, 15 years ago, you know, um, it was, I was using it in line with kind of where I was at personally. So I was using it, I would say more so to check out. I was consuming really heavy indicas, you know, kind of that couch locked feeling. And that was more so a byproduct of where I was at personally in my life. And as I've 
I'll say woken up or become into more of my own authentic awareness, my own consciousness. I've started to consume cannabis in a very, very different way for the past three plus years. I'm using it more so um, to tap into a creative side of myself or a more conscious side of myself when I'm wanting to do an activity. Like I love to play guitar. I consume pretty much every time before I play guitar because it puts me into a space where I'm just one, it's, it's, it's a process that I'm going through, right? I'm very intentional because I'm going to grind it. I'm going to go through my intentional process of consuming this thing. And then it changes my mindset and puts me into this place of, um, more creative freedom that happens for me in that, in that space, because I'm a very type a controlled person. I find that having something to help transition a mindset or put me into a different world or experience has been really helpful for my creative processes. Mm -hmm. So when I'm playing music, when I'm writing, when I'm doing photography, those things all connect really well for me into using cannabis. And that's really the only time that I'm using it at this point. I don't use it before going to bed. I don't have a whole lot of issues sleeping or anything like that. So for me, it really is connected into creativity and allowing my brain and myself to just free, to just become free from my normal constricted um, self. Sounds very healthy. Sounds like you have a very healthy relationship. How do you think your relationship with it is different? It is now. Working yeah. in the industry. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably in part why it's different because I have a much greater respect for the plant. You know, I didn't know a whole lot about it before. It was more so I'm going to consume this thing because I want to check out or I want to just not not be here. Like that was probably what was going on. Whereas now I just have a great respect for the plant and it's much, and I think that's why I'm more of a purist and I want to really feel it and be a part of it because I just believe that it's something that I don't want to use the word. Um, I'm conscious of not using the word healthy, but I'm using it in a healthier way because I'm healthier. Because mm-hmm. I am healthier as a person. And mm-hmm. so um, I just, yeah, have great respect for it. Well, that's very open and honest. I, I appreciate that. One of the things that's becoming increasingly issue just in society as cannabis becomes more and more prevalent is like, when is it okay to be high and when is it not? Um, and I know your boss pretty well. So I think it'll be okay if I ask you this question. But like, you know, is it okay that people smoke weed during the day while they're working? Is it okay that when you meet with a brand and they say, hey, do you want to try our pre-roll, that you do that on a Tuesday? You know, this is a personal opinion, aside from headset. You know, like, what do you think? I think it's entirely up to the individual and how responsible they are. And, And responsible is not the right word, but again, it goes back to how you're going to use something. I can be very vocal about my use with cannabis because of, I'm sorry for the, the um, background noise. Um, I can, I can, I'm comfortable being vocal about my use because I know I'm handle, I'm on my A game. So regardless of how I use it, I'm going to, things are going to get handled. If you are someone that it's going to affect you in a negative way or make you not be able to do that job, then of course, then you shouldn't be smoking with the brand when you're trying to sell your product, if it's going to affect you. But that requires a great amount of individual awareness to know what you're able to do in a setting. Most people don't have that. So probably what I would say is you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't consume on the job. You probably shouldn't consume when you're doing a business meeting if you can't handle that. You know? Definitely don't do it before you do any Excel either. 
<laughs> what I've learned. Um, well, this has been so fun, Joss. Thank you so much for joining us. You're so informative, so wonderful to talk to. It's the first one for me in a while, too. I haven't done it in six or seven months, so definitely was a good feeling. And thanks for Welcome being Welcome back. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, say hi to, to Cy and the gang for me. I miss you all. And uh, continue the good work you guys are doing really important things, I think. And software gets overlooked sometimes in this industry, but it's probably more important than growing weed, in my opinion. So, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you, B. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for listening, guys. See ya. <laughs>